passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and Waiting following WWE's Crown Jewel. One word yeah. to describe Crown Jewel way. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Can I tell you how you watch uh, a WWE premium live event? You take your requisite breaks between matches, okay? I got so much done during this show. I literally, I had lunch between matches. I cleaned my kitchen in between. I went out. Like, there's no way I'm sitting down and watching one of these start to finish. By two hours into this pay-per-view, we had seen three matches. I'm sorry. These, the pacing. This one, WWE shows are always slow paced. This was another level for this premium live event slash tourism ad that I had for three and a half hours. This was a very heavy um, messaging pay-per-view as, as it would be. It is. Yeah. Um, I think they're actually great for me. Cause like, it's not the nonstop pace of like having to catch up on my notes all the time. I can actually take my time after a match to compile my thoughts and I can go to the bathroom. You know, I can grab a coffee. I can live my partially my life, you know, throughout the, the, the work day. Um, I'm like, yeah, unlike, you know, I mean, um, an addition of dynamite, which is just nonstop. And I always feel like I'm like treading water, you know, trying to keep up with like what's going on while compiling my thoughts, you know, about what had just happened. This is just very it's it's not unlike a, a UFC pay-per-view, John, you know, where there's a lot of downtime in between. Um, but I don't really like stop partway through like I'll I'll watch later like i'll delay my viewing so that i can create a buffer i'll catch up and then once i'm caught up i'm like you know off maybe doing a little bit of something else and then i'm i'm just catching up on the buffer again so it's a much more relaxed pace for um a recapper and a reviewer but uh for a live viewer like this is something on you you put on the background with i don't know a sudoku you know in your hand that you're trying to solve throughout the afternoon yeah it was yeah i, I started late i Man, I went. I went and got a flu shot. That's how. Uh, that that was less wow. painful. Yeah, met the most interesting person at the the pharmacy. I'm wearing this Detroit Tigers shirt that I bought when mm-hmm. we were in Detroit. She's like, "Oh, you big Detroit Tigers fan?" Like, not in the least. I bought this shirt because I needed a extra shirt while I was in Detroit. It's like, oh, right. my dad tried out for the Detroit Tigers. He was the last cut uh, one year before, uh, it didn't quite make the team. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really random for someone here in downtown Toronto at a pharmacy that your dad nearly made the Detroit Tigers. It's a very interesting, um, trivia note, I suppose, but it's also the type of thing you'll never be able to fact check. So, I mean, he could just be a pathological liar, you know, getting his, she, let's get or the gender she. right. Right. Well, I didn't want to question the credibility of someone that was about to jab my arm full of, uh, 
full of a flu shot. So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take her word for it. Uh, but we have lots to discuss today uh, with Crown Jewel. want to start off a little bit and uh, some, uh, some in-house notes is that uh, tonight, more shows coming your way for members at postwrestlingcafe.com, the, uh, the place to be on the World Wide Web. Uh, tonight, we will have uh, Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord reviewing Power Struggle, which we'll go through some of the, the news coming out of that show, and they will have a thorough rundown and review of the card, plus Collision Course with John Ceno and Kate from Montreal, as they will be chatting about the show from Wichita, Kansas. All points covered tonight. Yeah. Osaka, Saudi Arabia, and Wichita, Kansas. And that may be a, a three of the most um, you know popular places in the world, yes. That's right. All right. Uh, New Japan today held their power struggle card. I have seen a portion of the show. I saw the John Moxley, Great O'Conn, uh, impromptu falls count anywhere match. And they had a terrific brawl and John Moxley bled in the match and was covered in blood. You wouldn't believe it. Um, and I saw the never six man title match, which was, I thought, amazing. If you want to watch, this is the perfect role for Hiroshi Tanahashi in 2023. He did everything perfect he was like his timing is still impeccable and he him and okada uh like ishi too here but like the tandem of uh, okada and tanahashi together was fantastic they have zach to work off of this was just such an entertaining six-man match that i would highly uh recommend but afterwards they retain the six-man tag titles and the roar from this crowd when tanahashi got the the victory was tremendous and okada's in the ring and a video plays and there is one-eyed brian danielson out in the woods noting that he is 2-0 against Okada, but in both those matches, you have broken my bones. I tapped you out with a broken arm because you can't break my heart nor my spirit. And I challenge you on January 4th at Wrestle Kingdom to gain revenge, and I'm going to break your arm, Okada. I'm going to break your right arm so you can never deliver the Rainmaker again. I'm not out to take away your voice, I'm out to take away your arm and the crowd starts chanting. Yes. And Okada responds stating, I broke your arm. I broke your face, but I've never beaten you. So go ahead and try to break my arm. And he accepts the challenge by pointing up and saying, yes. (laughs) Obviously they are, they're very confident that uh, Danielson will be uh, good to go by January the 4th. And, you know, Power Struggle is the show where you start to shoot all your big angles. Like this is their sort of Royal Rumble event where all the uh, all the pictures come into clearer focus for January 4th. And this is clearly going to be uh, one of the big matches. And we'll get to uh, some of the other uh, announcements for Wrestle Kingdom. But yes, the we will get the well second singles match between the two. You know, they must have been very confident that he was able to he was he, that Danielson's going to be able to recover by that point, even like um, maybe before he had his surgery, um, you know, when he had that tag team match, you know, and, and they were doing so much teasing within even the body of the match leading to Okada versus Danielson. So, um, I mean, this this is only, I think, a good thing for all wrestling fans, isn't it? You know, um, if it means he has to step out of, you know, in ring action for the next two months so that he could do the big match that i think we all want to see wrestle kingdom um against okada then you know so be it um so hopefully this means that um, the prognosis is really good for him so if he is ready to go for january 4th um do you expect him to wrestle on that world's end pay-per-view at the end of december we're talking just days before the tokyo dome and danielson would be someone you want on that pay-per-view if you're aew and that is going to be his his 
priority. If he does wrestle, I, the most I can imagine might be some sort of tag team setting. Um, just maybe given his unfortunate luck over the past year with his entering appearances, I can imagine they would want to take some certain First time ever, Danielson and Darby Allen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would be the day to... Someone's world like will that. end on December 30th. Goodness. Well, listen, I mean, he, he had that those matches with Starks, and it's not like he got injured doing the, any of those matches. You know, he got injured doing a collar and elbow tie-up, so anything can happen, right? Th- these have been freak things. I mean, they're not yeah. so much... I mean, there was no preventive measure for, you know, just an elbow off the top rope or like mm-hmm. yeah, a lockup gone awry. Like you can look at certain things and these were just, I don't see how preventable these things are. Yeah. Um, and then the main event, it was a uh, Will Ospreay and Shota Umino. And this was, I mean, in some ways it was kind of like the story of Roman Reigns and LA Knight. Like here is the challenger against the dominant champion that needs to come out and have the match of his life. And that's pretty much what Shota Umino did a 40 minute match that these two oh. had. And, uh, first of all, the commentary was very strong with this. Uh, this is Walker Stewart, Chris Charlton, and they had Robbie Eagles on commentary for the whole show. And they had they, they had a good dynamic. I think Chris Charlton is certainly assuming more of a quarterback role, I would say, in this in this new uh, collection. Um, but anyway, the match the match was uh, phenomenal. And afterwards, it's Osprey who gets the win, and he bows down to Umino. It's like he gets the big endorsement from the guy that had you know, called him out at the press conference. And this was like, this was his sting moment with Ric Flair. He doesn't win the title, but man, he took Will Ospreay to the limit. And I mean, they did some incredible stuff in this match um, that you, I, I will defer details to, uh, to Karen and Bruce, but it was just an unbelievable match. And then John Moxley comes out to rally show to Umino not to quit, not to give up. He's getting the crowd behind him and Umino rises to the occasion and, after the loss, Moxley gets into the ring. He goes face-to-face with Will, and you're thinking this is the showdown when David Finley attacks both men, and he takes out this gigantic sledgehammer. I mean, this is hunters on, um, you know, to the extreme, and he demolishes the U.S. and the U.K. championships and completely demolition these, these titles. And it's going to be a three-way at the Tokyo Dome, Will Ospreay issued the challenge afterwards for a new championship to replace these two old championships. Are, have we run out of countries to name this championship after? What what, what possible name could they choose? Well, the, the All Pacific Championship. We haven't had. Osprey said, "If we're not going to bring back the Intercontinental Title, then uh, let's go with a new championship that I will take to new heights." And it's like, well, if we're replacing like two <laughs> two continents. I don't know what else to do. Uh, the hemispheric title uh, of some sort. So the anyway, Earth that, is running out of space. It is like the oceans are very underrepresented in mm-hmm. in this uh, industry. So maybe that is uh, one way where they can go. So the lineup now for Wrestle Kingdom looks to be uh, Sonata and Naito, Osprey, Finley, and Moxley in a three way for this yet to be named championship. Uh, Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada. Hiromu Takahashi retained the junior heavyweight title, and he has now challenged El Desperado. So that should be phenomenal. And then it was uh, Catch 2-2 winning the Super Junior Tag League. They'll challenge Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. So we have uh, three, five matches official for January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. And then the World Tag League starts up in about a week or so, and that should set up the, the tag title program. You know, three ways um, are very unusual in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I I don't even remember the last time they might have had 
uh, an actual three-way match maybe in Japan. But um, they did the one I, with Omega, Cody, and uh, and Kota Ibushi. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- there's been it, they're very rare. Yes. But I mean, something like this maybe would directly call to attention the fact that um, Osprey will likely be leaving. Um, And John Moxley is not a New Japan pro wrestler. So having simply Osprey versus Moxley really does the promotion no good following January the 4th. And so having David Finley presumably winning it and becoming your new champion ensures that you have somebody retaining that value afterwards. Yeah. And depending on what Osprey decides upon, I mean, his deal's up in February. So you could have the deal where Osprey loses without being pinned. And then you do Finley and Osprey at New Beginning. And that's the the farewell to Will Osprey puts over David Finley on the way out. And that could be one option. Sure. So there you go. Uh, of what I saw, Power Struggle looked like a great show. But man, it was like I turned it on this morning. It was like five and a half hours. I mean, it was... Uh, it was like an 11 match show. So check out Bruce and Karen for a full rundown of that card as we go into Crown Jewel, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And let's just talk o- over just in terms of this being the show where, I mean, listen, this was a big commercial for, for Saudi Arabia. Did you feel this was in line with a lot of the WWE shows Was th- or was this um, more than than usual like we see they're introducing this wwe experience like they are putting roots in saudi arabia now with like a full-time exhibit that's going to be uh, there in Riyadh as well i feel like you know ever since the uh Hashoji murder and them completely taking a step back from really kind of any any mention of even the, the name saudi arabia on their programming they are slowly and slowly dipping their feet now it's you know maybe like you're we're, we're up to the ankles and then now we're up to like you know we're pretty much like chest deep into you know like saudi arabia territory now um we're not all the way there you know that first like wwe saudi arabia show was still probably the most i would say um blatant you know promotion of just hey come to saudi arabia look at all the incredible advances we have you know with um like women can drive now um this was though i would say maybe having the, uh, the, the iranian uh xenophobic xenophobic angle on yes. the greatest royal oh Rumble. My God. you know yeah, l- that, little things like you know just to... that was straight like you know like you're 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 deep in the ocean okay if we're, if we're using the same analogy but this was like probably the the furthest we've gone since then in the form of this um what they are essentially kind of billing as like a, a an ad for an airline uh, which just how so far happens- they have come from the the concerns about them flying home from Saudi Arabia <laughs> to now trumpeting um, the, the the airline of choice or Saudi well, Arabia. This is, I mean, it's the government controlled airlines, uh, Saudi, um, and it's essentially it's it's a veiled sort of like you know commercial for how, what a great place this is. You know, like come come and visit. You had for people who did not see it. Uh, four WWE superstars basically represented in this ad in Drew McIntyre, Bianca Belair, Bailey, and LA Knight. Um, talking and then about- they, they all they all spoke in sync with one another, like the tagline at the end. And it was mm-hmm. something right out of They Live where they were just like, <laughs> right, fly, yeah. Saudi. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think part part of this is just, again, a way of um, continuing to further d- deliver the in- intended message that this whole thing was supposed to send out. And it's to promote tourism towards Saudi Arabia, or at least the image that this is a place that is modern and that people can come and visit. And it's things are so great and they're incredibly fun here. You know? Yeah, as long as you don't tweet, like, you'll have a great time here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say this was like the most we we got up until this point. And I imagine it'll only get more, more and more and, until, you know, I another. think there's been a a real breakthrough at this point when it comes to like the public acceptance. Like you're you're just seeing like we, we've spoken about it for years, like the certain level of, I think, fatigue among uh, wrestling fans. But this is growing so beyond just like wrestling that this is not only um, sort of accepted. It's now it's encouraged like there is just such a a wealth of capital that is being dispersed across sport and entertainment that it is becoming um, just like there are these outlets that like they are craving these contracts um, with Saudi Arabia. And it is going to make for a, an entire boxing career out of Francis and gone. Like that is just a small, you know, a small for, drop for in the ball, bucket. Soccer Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, was all over tonight's show, at least in mention, right? Um, it's it it sort of is yeah becoming like an accepted form or, or at least like um I don't know an accepted element in, in all the media that we might consume whether it be sports or, or entertainment or otherwise. Um, now I'm curious to know like if if this sport washing is is actually um. Is it yes, it is normalizing. I think that maybe the discussion of like Saudi Arabia as being a place of, I don't know, um, like that that has a lot of money that could pay for this stuff. Will it go as far as to encourage tourism to a, you know, a place like Riyadh for somebody who I don't know, typically would never think about it? I wonder. I'm not sure. Like maybe eventually it'll get to that point, but I I, I wonder how 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 much of this they need to expose us to in order to for people I to think that's that also I think that's more so a byproduct of just the the presentation to the world that this is a place to go to. It's not so much necessary that we need to have Americans traveling to these shows, but mm-hmm. abroad, I mean, there's plenty of like, you know, people in the Middle East that this is the place to come to for the biggest events in the world and just, just promoting that fact to people and having as much sort of um, silence around you know, the, the other like human rights abuses and people mm-hmm. being placed to death over tweets to their eight followers. Um, you know, there's that aspect that I think for those that are so in tune with this message, it's just very easy to just shrug your shoulders at all the other stuff that they don't need to concern themselves with with the politics and why so much is necessary to be able to um, spend to get this message out. So certainly... Um... It's it's telling the world that, hey, Saudi Arabia is is on the map. You know, you should be uh, discussing Saudi Arabia when it comes to, I guess, you know, talking about like the global powers. Um, But does that added attention to at least some circles, put more of a spotlight on those human offenses? And does it make them you would think, um, mm, do they have to be more covert about it or or is it something that um, they have to be more accountable for? Um, with this increased attention you would think that the increase of one does shine more of a light on the other um i certainly believe that you know sunlight is the best disinfectant but just seeing this in real time way i i don't see a whole lot of focus on the it's it sort of just comes part and parcel with like vague references to well their humans human rights uh record is not that stellar but look at all of this stuff they're doing. It's like there's no easy answer for a lot of people to this. And I think it gets um, I think it gets very complicated when you want to speak about this and you are 
casting a discussion about the Saudi Arabian government, and it becomes very easy to just extrapolate that to your like attacking the people of Saudi Arabia, which is not the case. And I think that's where it just gets muddled. And let's be honest, like these are realities that I don't think many people want to um, engulf themselves in. I think it becomes very Mm -hmm. easy to just look at the positive and ignore, um, ignore what is sort of underneath the rock that you don't Especially when you're collecting a paycheck. It's very easy to ignore that stuff and make justifications for yourself and look at what Mm -hmm. has happened from a John Cena who was not doing these shows to a Kevin Owens that was not doing these shows. And the fact is like for, someone who is a like a homosexual to go to one of these shows i mean a very different experience uh for it like how would you feel uh safety wise going to saudi arabia as someone that has you know spoken about the these issues and such would you feel completely safe i can't answer that uh completely yeah i don't i don't see myself uh, you know ever being put in that situation but um I, I sure yeah I would maybe give me pause you know just the given track record of how they might speak or anyway so um it's 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 a topic that continues to be brought up twice a year whenever we cover these shows right well let's uh let's go through the show the kickoff had uh, Sami Zayn and JD McDonough noting this is the rubber match you remember is it those really? two classics yeah uh raw in hmm. August and September they were one apiece hmm. news okay. to me um this crowd was insane for Sami Zayn. Um, they were lively for a lot of people, but then there there were some lulls later, which we'll oh, talk yeah. about. But Sami Zayn, uh, man, they were red hot for him. He was, I would say, as popular as anyone on the card. Uh, I would say so. You know, he had the benefit of being the first person this crowd got to see, but they were. He was also the last person this crowd got to see last time. You know, really, I would say, um, the sort of a de facto home territory babyface that they were promoting him as last time came out here in his uh robe and just you know soaked up this incredible ovation from this crowd that was very hot for any I would say wrestling content. I'm sure, but especially for somebody like him. Yeah, they mentioned that uh, Shawn Michaels has uh, put no put over George, uh, J.D. McDonough as this phenomenal talent. And then almost as though it was uh, telepathy, J.D. takes a uh, turnbuckle and he yeah. does the crazy Shawn Hulk Hogan spot where he flips off the turnbuckle. Just ridiculous. Like your Shawn Michaels, Kurt Hennig bump out of the corner. I was like, wow, the timing of this comment and then the ridiculous uh, bump off the turnbuckle. I, I would suggest that like um, the, the JD probably had no ill intent with with this maybe um, what came across as a bit of an oversell, uh, unlike maybe Sean in that Hogan match. But um, like I, I give JD actually a lot of credit. I, he's been bumping his ass off for everybody that he's been involved with in this uh, run so far. Well, including this match, uh, w- I don't know what the spot was, but he got this insane like abrasion above his hip. On the mm-hmm. side, this thing is going to look, it looked, it already looked horrible. It's going to look that much worse tomorrow. Um, Man, I'm sure we'll see this on Monday on Raw because of the after effects of it. But dude, it looked awful. Like, I don't know if he just took a, went into the rope badly. I don't know what this was. I, don't, I didn't see the cause and I didn't rewind to go see where he got this. But dude, this looked awful. Cameras were certainly like trying to pay attention to it. They were zooming the in on it and um, but the they had no replay. Not- I don't think they had a... uh a cause of uh, what led to this but hopefully it's more of a superficial like i don't know rug burn or something than than something worse than rug that. Burn. yeah really hmm. real simple match they reacted to everything sammy did and jd just bumped around for him it ended with an exploder haluva kick and blue thunder bomb in 947 kickoff style of match that just got the crowd amped and 
no need yeah. to do any kind of angle or overbooking for this. Exactly. Like I would almost say like house show level match, you know, nothing fancy at all about it. Nothing needed to be fancy about it. Just a, a way to, you know, set this crowd off pretty happy, give you some Sami Zayn content. Um, crowd was definitely with Sammy for every momentum shift. And, you know, it does make you wonder um, if, if they had initially maybe more planned for Sammy for the show, or if in the future they would use Sammy more uh, in a, in a bigger position. I almost wonder if they would consider doing the Sammy Roman rematch, which, you know, is going to happen at some point. I wonder if they would consider uh, Saudi Arabia for one of those. It's possible. Like that's a, that's a destination to do it. Um, whether it be Roman or, or Seth Rollins. I mean, we mentioned like Montreal being the obvious, but I mean, they've, They've got, got a lot another, more invested in Saudi Arabia than they do in Montreal. And this is, you know, very much like becoming a home territory for him as well. So, yeah. Imagine Dragons kick us into the main show. And Michael Cole calling this the hottest ticket in the world. Not, okay. not the Eras Tour. No, it's Crown Jewel in Riyadh. Hottest ticket well, in the world. And Ganu Fury is over, I suppose. So this is it. Michael Cole and Wade Barrett are on commentary. And then Byron Saxton was the announcer. That's right. Yeah. It was unusual. Samantha Irvin nor Mike Rome. Yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just a, a numbers game of who they were bringing over. Um, yeah, I thought, it, was, I thought he did a pretty good job, though, tonight. Fine. Yeah, it was. Uh, he he announced well, he pronunciated <laughs> all the names correctly. So that's a win. <laughs> oh, hey, man, I couldn't do it. Do you remember when Lillian Garcia first started in WWE? This was like around 1999. And she's like, this match is scheduled for like, she did it like boxing, like for X amount of rounds. or something. Like she was really off with just her verbiage and stuff. Like she just didn't know oh. the, like, it sounds like she was just given a mic and said, go out there and you're our now, uh, announcer now. And then she became huh. very, very good at it. Um, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre, uh, the world's longest video package. I think this thing went on for like six minutes. It was incredibly long. So we have a red hot crowd at the beginning and Drew does the Cristiano Ronaldo goal celebration pose. So thankfully we had Michael Cole and Wade Barrett to explain to us who Ronaldo is and that he plays football in Saudi Arabia. Well, I didn't know that, John, you know, like you didn't, I, I, I didn't know that he played in Saudi Arabia. I don't know anything. This guy's I, getting I just, $213 million a year to play in Saudi Arabia. My, so he, you know how small my world is, John? This I guy was at the, know, uh, the boxing fight last weekend, which I did not watch. Okay, I'm sorry, but like I, I my my world is uh, comprised of um maybe 90% professional wrestling and then well, you know, I should say 60% professional wrestling, 40% like baby stuff. So, I don't have time for <laughs> to know where Christian Cristiano Ronaldo is playing. So, Drew hits a belly to belly on the floor to start the attack on the near incapacitated spinal column of Seth Rollins. We also get the note that Rhea Ripley has tweeted, "Good luck, boys." regarding her uh, campaigning to both about the uh, the assistance of the Judgment Day, which neither took her up on. So Drew runs his shoulder into the turnbuckle, and this became the story of the back versus the shoulder. And to really emphasize the back injury for Seth Rollins, he hits a springboard swanton, leaps to his feet, and follows with a cabrata off the opposite side. And Wade Barrett says, you know, Seth is showing no ill effects despite those back issues. And Michael Cole says, you know, I was talking to Seth today. He says that once he loosens up and the adrenaline gets going, the back usually isn't that bad unless it's directly targeted with an attack. 
So here we okay. are. A month ago, he was on the gr- the verge of one bad hit, and the whole thing could come to a crashing halt. His career, mm. and now it's he's just got to loosen up. He's just got to get that adrenaline going. And the I suppose they they finally came up with the cover for why throughout all these years, like it, it it's not something that's been um visually you know affecting him as much as th- see the difference maker is when somebody targets it. Okay, and 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 this it, is what Drew was doing here, and then this guy's doing sure. swantons. Well, listen, man's got to get his shit in, okay? Okay. Well, he goes for the buckle bomb, and unfortunately, he di- he didn't loosen up here because the back gives out, and he hit- eats a future shock DDT for a two count. Drew then drives him onto the edge of the apron with a slam. In the ring, there's a reversal to a pedigree. Drew recovers, calls for the Claymore, but is stopped by a super kick, kicks out of a stomp, and then Rollins misses the Phoenix Splash into a Claymore, and this was an awesome near fall as Drew got on top, massive reaction for the kick out. And then he tries for another, is stopped with the cl- with the super kick, and Drew misses another Claymore, and it's a pedigree stomp. Both men are down, and it's a delayed cover, but Seth just rolls over and gets the pin. 18 minutes and 22 seconds as Seth Rollins retains. And, I mean, they went out here to have, like, your main event level style of match, and I can... uh I will get ahead of myself a little here and say this was the superior championship match of the two on this card. Uh, interesting. Okay. Oh, okay. I, we might have a I, debate later. I think it depends what you're looking for in your championship matches. Okay. Like certainly in terms of uh, from an in-ring standpoint, yeah, I would give the edge to this one. And that was to be expected. I think you've been going in. Um, if maybe sort of like the grandeur of, of, of atmosphere and of Roman Reigns level main event is more to your liking, you would probably go with the main event. But nonetheless, this was a very good match. I thought it was very well paced, very well built. And um, I thought like Seth's lower back selling, like once they got into it, was very good here. I thought it was just enough to kind of draw you into the drama. I don't think he overdid it at any point and gave you some nice finish, uh, sort of a uh, near falls once once the finishers came in. Um, I thought it would get a bit more like concrete, sort of like Drew McIntyre's like sort of devolving into madness throughout this. But they're 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 choosing to keep this like a pretty very slow burn. So nothing really definitive. But with a, with a hint afterwards backstage with with, with Rhea, like the right. idea that this guy he he took the the harder path towards the title, and had he taken Rhea up on her offer, maybe he would have been champion. I kind of like going th- this direction where they're going with mm-hmm. with Drew. It continues to be like you can continue to uh, run this story, and it doesn't necess- necessitate having to go back to a title match instantly uh, with Survivor yeah. Series in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So Damian Priest runs down with the briefcase, but there's a man in disguise, and it's Sami Zayn who attacks Priest and steals the briefcase, runs through the crowd as Priest chases after him. And this is Sami Zayn's new mission is to take out the Judgment Day one by one. And he started with JD McDonough and uh, nearly tore his torso off and now uh, grabbing Damian Priest's uh, briefcase, uh, which Sami Zayn has possession of. Yeah, so I mean, a priest can't cash in, right? If you don't have possession of the briefcase, that's how. That Do you works. think he should have photocopied the contract when he switched briefcases? Oh, would that be legally binding? He should have I, scanned it, and he should have had an e signature. I think from you know all the appropriate people involved. Um, yeah, so Zayn versus Priest seems to be our next program, and um, as a way to continue to delay this, like Money in the Bank briefcase cash in from Priest to keep him busy. Sure, makes makes sense. So if, if Tony Khan broke into Vince McMahon's office. Could he run these Saudi Arabia shows twice a year? Well, can, well Zane can't cash in and, and get a title shot himself. You know, he's just pre- preventing somebody from. But WWE can't in. come back to Saudi Arabia until they get possession of that contract. 
Well, the, 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 this, uh, these, the, the Saudi deal is not – the contract's already signed, and I'm sure they have scans, you know, unlike Damien Priest of this money in the bank briefcase um, contract. It, they don't have to hand it in every time they want to put on a show. That we know of. I mean, maybe it's like you have you have credits. You know, right. you, you cash these in for your fifty yeah. million payout after the end Obelisk. of the <laughs> We go backstage and Rhea Ripley just shrugs her shoulders at Drew, and Drew is left looking frustrated and upset. Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, and Zoe Stark for the women's championship. And Wade Barrett says that last weekend, the battle of the baddest, it was only the appetizer. This is the main course. So we, if this is the main course. And Tyson Fury got fifty million. What was Rhea guaranteed for this title defense? A hundred. Um, the, the payouts uh, had to be. This is the main course, right? Um, I I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I I know that WWE wrestlers, I'm sure, are being paid at the same level of uh, high level boxers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, the five all and. And later the the other women's title match uh, with, with the outfits. Um, mm-hmm. Who won the outfits? I think Rhea. Rhea. Rhea, okay. Rhea looked really cool. Like uh, she, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure if like there was something specific she was going for, but like she had like a different makeup job that was kind of reminiscent of like you know like a, a crow type of thing. Uh, black pleather, like you know, she was able to rock it really well. They've come a long way from the oversized t-shirts. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Baszler was in a uh, judo pants and uh, we start off and it's a four on one against Jax as they assist uh, Baszler getting a German suplex. And then, you know, it was just like a lot of like kind of the, the big monsters going at one another and Raquel delivers a pounce to Zoe Stark. Baszler does this triple submission on Ripley, Raquel and Jax, Jax being in the cure food of clutch and Zoe gets to break it up. And Jax twice tried for the Annihilator and did like the uh, the Yokozuna at WrestleMania 10 where she like slips and uh, falls. No reference to her hole, though. Uh, this seems to be a different direction they're taking. Yeah, they've uh, they've evolved the character. Z360 onto Ripley, but then we just get a procession of saves. Baszler launched everyone with a Tower of Doom. And then there's a headbutt to Stark on the buckle. And Ra- so we have Baszler on the mat and Raquel was a little late here to go for the cover because Rhea was all set to do this this uh, riptide off the turnbuckle but she had to wait for Raquel to get on top of Baszler for the cover so then Raquel uh, gets hit by the riptide by Rhea off the second turnbuckle taking out all of the women and it's Rhea there to just pick the bones and pin Baszler in 11.05 as Michael Cole notes that she bucked the odds with a 20% chance of winning this match because that's how these matches work. Everyone that's uh last weekend, despite the odds, uh, Francis and had a 50% chance to win the match because he was one of two people in this fight. And that's how odds work. Pretty much one of my yeah. pet peeves that still exists to this day. Michael Cole loves this stat. I thought they had planned a pretty like fast match with a lot of um, sequences and almost no lulls in action. And I thought overall that execution was fine in the match. No, like, blemishes that i think ever derailed you know this match at all but it was never the attention grabbing match that was enough to i think spark this crowd into caring and this was like i would say the first of all the matches tonight that received pretty 
low reaction from from otherwise you know this this crowd that was clearly here to see like stars um and not just stars yeah. alone but like stars involved in meaningful matches uh Rhea Ripley certainly is a star but everybody else she was here with um was not you know and it calls into question their idea of doing this sort of five way rather than maybe putting all the airtime and focus on one building up one individual for this match um by the end seeing this result I would say like that was it was pretty unsuccessful because I can't really say anybody coming out of this feels like that much of a bigger star the gulf between Rhea Ripley and everybody else just it still seems so much so far. Well, it was noticeable that the person absent from the closing sequence was Nia Jax. Like she was not part of the whole Riptide spot at the end. But I have to say that is the least appealing match for Rhea Ripley of these four that I feel they are going to have to do it at some point. But I don't know. That feels like a TV match to me at best. I I don't know how appealing any of the others feel, John. You know, like for, again, from an in-ring standpoint, you might get a better match out of I don't know Shayna versus Rhea or something like that, Zoe versus Rhea. But um, their characters are just like nothing right now. You know, there's there's very little attention. I I would say that that's been put onto them. No real motivation or actual storyline that can all change. Um, just like it could change with Nia Jax. And we had the ad for uh, for Saudi, the official airline of Saudi Arabia. Um, so great. And then an ad for the Survivor Series promoting uh, war games. Solo Sokoa, John Cena. Thunderous reaction for John Cena. There's no Paul Heyman out for this match. And John Cena's game plan is to work the thumb and the hand of Solo Sokoa. This was the debut of Zack Sabre Cena. Cena. And, uh, dude, he's bending the wrist and weakening mm-hmm. this thumb. To take away its effectiveness. Guess what? John Cena did not do a great job of weakening this thumb by the end, did he? Well, he's not really known for his submissions now, is he? You know, so. Yeah. It's a big thumb. So, listen, John Cena got an amazing reaction coming out. But this match, this was so slow. It was heavily reliant on how invested you were in John Cena ending his losing streak or uh, Solo Sokoa um, being able to get a major win in his career. But dude, if you had told me this match was going 16 minutes, I would have told you that is way too long for these two. And I think I was proven right here. Michael Cole starts to ask us, what if this is the last time we ever see John Cena in a WWE ring? Yeah, maybe this is it. Crown Jewel, the last time we see him in the ring. And Wade says, all good things must come to an end. But Cena uh, constantly is avoiding the Samoan spike. And then he would go to counters. He'd try for the AA. Then he gets him in the STF. And then it was like wash and repeat again. Like we did the same counter and uh, application of the submission later in the match. He builds up, does his comeback with the five knuckle shuffle. But another AA is countered. He takes a series of hip attacks. And John Cena hits a high cross dubbed pulling out all the stops from Michael Cole before John Cena turns into the next evolution everybody we get the sixth move of doom a choke slam from john cena (laughs) it looked to be more of of a uranagi to me but kind of it was like in watching it he he didn't really wrap the arm around the 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 neck but whatever this was um the visual of him hitting a choke slam on solo sokoa was a a little off so the AA gets countered, spinning solo. Cena kicks out, blocks another spike, and then gets out of the uh, STF in Sokoa. And Cena then runs into the Samoan spike, and Sokoa just prompts, promptly hits him with a second one. 
a third one, a fourth one. And then he just goes to town. He's just hitting them with like a million shots to the throat before Cena stays down in 16 minutes and 11 seconds. So I get the idea was like, this was this unbelievable beating that Cena has taken. I think just doing like two or three of these Samoan spikes would have been so much more effective than like 15 of them by the end of this whole thing. And Cena did get up and he like walked out on his own at at the end of this. So I don't know if that part was really accomplished, but this did feel like the end of Uh, Cena's run. I mean, I kind of disagree, John, you know, Um, I think throughout this entire story. um, So we, a lot of us were criticizing when they were give when they gave away the first Samoan spike after that excellent promo from Cena, the great promo from Paul Heyman. Uh, and then they just gave it away to us. Now, I seeing SmackDown last night, I I've come to realize that that actually that was a great decision because they got to show us what one Samoan spike is able to do to John Cena's throw. You know, when when he was like selling it with the, with the raspy voice. So now that it, it effectively conveyed a unit of measurement of what one Samoan Maybe spike can do. Hundred of them. Well, sure, like whatever, like that was the intended effect, right? We were asking, well, what is the difference between this Samoan spike in this match versus all the other Samoan spikes that, you know, Solo Sokoa has delivered throughout his history? And um, the difference is he's going to do a lot of them, okay? Specifically, you know, targeting the throat. And so I thought it was necessary for him to pile them on to show that this is going to be different from all the other Samoan spikes. And again, they gave us a unit of measurement on SmackDown to show that one Samoan spike is able to do this much damage to the man's throat. Well, 15 of them is going to take him out for good as they promised. So I thought that was actually effective. But he wasn't done. taken out here. Like he got up, he was, he, he walked his to throat the was ta- His throat was taken out. That was the purpose. It was not to uh, knock him out. You know, it's to cut off his connection with the audience through his so voice. So next time we see John Cena, he's not going to talk. So that should be the story. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mentioned it last week. The the the, the after effects of this loss are, are going to be, I think, the most important part of it. Because the man can't just come back next week and cut a promo, even with a raspy voice. Like he might be, he should sign language, okay? He should do an American sign language to, to say goodbye or just simply come in, drop the microphone. Sign leave. language with subtitles. Uh, he should speak Chinese. Maybe he could still do that. Um, anyway, I don't know. Thought, I don't. I don't know if that's how your voice box works, where you can you lose one language but you inherit another. <laughs> this is a Samoan spike sp- specifically targeting his ability to speak English. Yeah, um, I, I like the, I, I like the booking overall of Solo as the monster coming out of this. That was deposit. I thought this match was way too long. Um, I think you know what you're going to get with the John Cena match. Now, my expectations were coming off of the Austin Theory match, and this was way more than the Austin Theory match. This was Cena. I'll that give you looked, that. This was Cena that actually looked motivated, and I think, you know, looking at the result here and looking at how much he was willing to take from Solo in this finish showed that he was, like, he believes in this guy, and he wrestled like he actually cared this time around. It helps that he, I guess, he doesn't have the movie set to go back to, at least not in the immediate, but, like, uh, was actually pulling out, like, different maneuvers, did not phone in his performance, I thought, tonight. Um, So I, I thought it was, like, a satisfying match. I would have done the stretcher job at the end or something like he needs medical assistance for his throat. Like if we're doing this measurement deal and he's taking these, why would you need medical? Why would you need a stretcher for your throat? Because he's just been hit with 16 of these things, Yeah, but it's we targeting saw what your effect throat. one has. It's targeting your throat. His legs are fine. How about I drive an object into your throat 16 times? And then you, you tell me what medical attention would help. Um, I, I, I wonder Don't if you it want to get a... this cross as like this destructive beatdown that is like 
career threatening for John Cena. But again, the story was always about targeting the throat. I mean, I, 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 Wait, if your throat I, is damaged, you do need help with that. Like you, you can't just like shake it off. I mean, why? What are we even arguing here? You know, I thought they effectively conveyed the damage to to the throat. But anyway, a lot of it will be in the follow up. The crowd applauds Cena as he remains in the ring, and uh, and he uh, shakes his head and walks to the back. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Then on this super long show, we had time for Ms. TV as they brought out actor Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj, who is introduced to us, a very famous actor in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Michael Cole tells us, this dude is incredible. He's funny as hell. And he's the best actor in the Middle East. And Wade says, I was holding my sides yesterday like I was watching a Dave Chappelle show. Like this was the most manufactured <laughs> commentary that no one would ever naturally say about hey tell me about that dude you were hanging out with friday night this dude's incredible he's funny as hell my yeah. sides were hurting like i was oh, watching a dave chappelle show <laughs> fuck these two like zero sincerity in their voice why did they promote this on raw or smackdown this week you know oh. a, a Miz tv with ibrahim al hajaj <laughs> michael cole Ibrahim has his own film company, you know, Blacklight Films. He's the star of Sitar. I was like, can can we possibly see the hand that is using you as a human puppet right now um, on screen? Right. So he's out, and he does get a good reaction here from the crowd. Grayson Waller interrupts. We don't want to miss TV. We want to have a Grayson Waller effect, complete with the set design. And Miz says, I'm Ronaldo. You are the ball boy. And... Ibrahim says, hey, I can be on both shows, but the hottest show is Ms. TV. And Grayson Waller is offended. He's like, dude, I got pulled from house shows to come do this. You better like the Grayson Waller effect more. So Ms. ends up sending Waller into a Kamagiri from uh, Ibrahim. And then a skull-crushing finale is delivered to Waller, but not before. The dude that's incredible and funny as hell delivers a people's elbow um, that had... <laughs> My sides, uh, I was holding my sides laughing, um, watching this. I mean, as this guy got to just act out his uh, childhood fantasy for all of us to watch. I guess that like the, I mean, I don't know the choice of people's elbow, I guess, number one, it's an easy enough move to do for it's for anybody to pull off. But secondly, it just seemed to me, it almost like um, shows you tells me when somebody stopped watching wrestling, <laughs> you know, like if this is your only reference, like. I, I guess he, I mean, whatever, whatever. Pat he could chugged a beer after this, but yeah, he yeah. made his decision. I think notable about this is the fact that like Miz was positioned as the baby face in this segment. So it tells me like well, he's what they did. baby face for this uh, Gunther program. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the Gunther's interaction on Monday, like seemed to be his actual turn. Yeah. Cole then promoted Riyadh season in, uh, in case you were not aware of what was going on. And then we see Logan Paul just randomly racing in the sand dunes in this uh 
like buggy, um, which he then drives into the city and right into the arena on. I'm big, guessing this was time. this was Logan saying, "Hey, like I I got some a, a day off. I really want to ride Dune buggy. You want to bring a camera along? All right, whatever. We'll use it for our, your your in- entrance." And he drives right out. This is the point. It is the show starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. It was 2.50. And we have seen three. This is match number four on, on the show as we are getting to. Like that is how slow this first two hours was. And uh, Rey Mysterio comes out. How how interesting is it, Way, that we had the United States champion this weekend defending his title in Saudi Arabia while the intercontinental champion can't get out of the U.S. due to uh, um uh, citizenship uh, restrictions. They might have to rename that title. They, they might should, have to swap they titles. Swap. They should swap. Right. Hmm. They started off with like lucha sequences at the beginning here, and early on, like the chemistry was definitely there that these two had, and they're really pushing that Logan is a student of the game. How much so? He's got his Ultimate Warrior tapes as he does like the gorilla press and splash on top of Ray's back, and is just doing the warrior pose, and then right into a bear hug. It's like of all the uh. The tape study so there's a buckshot lariat that logan goes for and plants his foot and mm. they note how how tough it is to to hit that move and then goes for the titanium loaded right hand and uh misses with that ray applies a cross face and is working on logan's shoulder uh ray does ray goes for a cabrada and this was the clip that everybody was circulating because logan it seemed oh. like Logan w- was a step back and mm-hmm. had to like step in quickly into position because Ray was going to come down with no one to hit or it, thankfully Logan caught him because I don't oh, know if he was going to continue to rotate here and might've come right down. It seemed like Ray was re- was preparing for him to catch him and Logan seemed to be a step out. It looked really scary. It looked like he was like, you know, going like torpedoing straight down. And and even when Logan caught oh, him, man. like it was like he was low as well. Yeah. Like, thankfully, this was the he was saved here by, by Logan. But it just seemed mm-hmm. like th- this could have been a lot worse. And um, thankfully, OK, so we continue onwards. And uh, Ray hits a code red that they say is a borrowed from Zelina Vega. And then we get the return of Logan Paul's goof from his entourage we haven't never identified this guy i still don't know who this dude is yeah i didn't go back and watch the ricochet match because we were there but i he's only oh he was in the ricochet match he was there to hand the brass knucks like this was a a follow-up on to to that so he passes the brass knucks to logan paul but then they land on the ground and santos escobar (laughs) comes and steps on the the knucks and chases the 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 aaron boy away and then Lo- Santos conveniently places them right on the apron, which are left there. Logan grabs them. And as Ray goes for a slingshot, he gets waffled with the titanium loaded right hand with brass knuckles. And Logan pins Ray Mysterio to win the U.S. title. And Michael Cole says that the complexion of WWE has been shook and that social media has been rocked to its core as Logan holds up his two prime possessions. The prime energy drink and his U.S. title and tells Ray that he won fair and square as Ray's yelling, you know what you did? Yeah, Um, I thought this had all the makings of like a like possibly show stealing match or at least the type of match that a lot of us would be talking about afterwards. Um, You had a great heel, a great baby face, mainstream star power in the form of Logan Paul, like the promise of like high flying athleticism. But I this thought was, the match. This ended, was grounded, Logan. Logan Paul, like he didn't yeah. do any big stunts at all. I thought the match ended up being 
pretty disappointing. And this was another match, to my surprise, where the crowd, I don't think they ever really got on board. And, and They came down in the Cena match, and they stayed down for a while. I would say, I would say mm-hmm. until, like, the main event. Agreed, agreed. I don't think they ever, they actually never lived up to, like, maybe our high expectations at this point, especially for, like, a Logan Paul-Rey Mysterio pairing. It didn't deliver a lot of the flash that I think Logan Paul in his previous matches had. Um, it was a fine standard WWE match, but disappointing considering the participants. So... I wonder how much he prepared for this one, given he just had the boxing fight three weeks ago. And hmm. I mean, even if he knew this was coming up, like how much uh, he got to dedicate to preparing for this. Like he looked fine. He didn't look like he was hurt or dealing with anything. But yeah, I, I thought I thought this match, it was just like it was just a very basic like ground offensive based match for a Logan mm-hmm. Paul that they, you've sort of set the standard now for him to do uh, his big stunts in in the match and you're not going to get that every time out but and the wow factor of Logan Paul simply being able to wrestle is not really there anymore like him doing a leapfrog is not really all that impressive anymore no. um so we we just have higher expectations and you know Ray like sort of has like what he's able to do which is still a lot I just didn't even sense like so much creativity in this match to really kind of make what they could do you know effective now you did have the Santos uh, leaving the knuckles on the apron so it should make way for a Ray versus Santos story even without the US championship involved and uh, who's who do you see for Logan Paul coming out of this? Because um, I think Owens is, is probably like a, a no pun intended prime candidate, you know, to uh, to face Logan Paul at this point. Um, anybody else that you could see? KSI for the U.S. Championship. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. o- Owens is an option. Yeah, I don't see him sticking around with Waller in theory for much longer, and he sort of seems to be a guy without a program the, uh, of substance. So. Um, and also, when when do we see Logan Paul next? Like maybe the Rumble? You don't think so? I guess there are series. You don't think so? Yeah, you're right. Um, they could the, do something quick. The fact that he has a championship and the fact that Roman is already a part-timer, like maybe makes me wonder that they might have him for a bit more of a commitment. You know, especially I don't know if Cena will be back, you know, after after this. So they yeah. might yeah, be you're right. You're Paul. right. They could get him on the Chicago show. Jackie Redmond interviewed Bianca Belair, and that takes us to EO Sky Bianca for the women's title. And um, this was another one. I, I thought it struggled with the crowd, but I thought they had a really good match together. Um, mm. Another lengthy match, 16 and a half minutes. And we saw uh, uh, Bianca selling her leg, and she's on the ground. And this was her Seth Rollins tribute. She shakes her leg to get the feeling going so that she can do her kip up. And the announcers don't know how smart that was. Got to get the kip up in, right? Got to get your shit in. Come on. Uh, Sky attacks the knee, stretch muffler. They do a tug of war with the braid. And then Bailey shows up, distracts uh, distracts Bianca. And Sky kind of seems annoyed that she has shown up here. Like, did she not see her on the flight over or... Um, clearly not what do you think bailey came all the way over here for bailey was flying saudia okay uh (laughs) as you saw from the commercial just flew for the food i mean i'm not here for the show i just want the flight she had a great time somehow from between like last last night at 10 p.m and all the way now so sky hits a moonsault to bel-air on the floor and then bel-air catches her with a glam slam and bailey's on the apron distracting the referee and is knocked off the apron bel-air goes after her Sky then misses Belair, runs into her partner Bailey, and as the KOD attempt is attempted by Belair on the floor to Bailey, Kyrie makes her return, attacking Belair, comes off the barricade. She's got this like 
awesome zombie look to her as well. I thought this was like a really cool outfit she had with the uh, with, with the with the makeup and the way her hair was done here. Um, sends but, Bel Air, but almost the- almost kind of unrecognizable. Like it's not like she was like the she, most. She sort got of- no reaction when she, and it's not like she came from the back. She hopped the barricade, and mm-hmm. like you even had like the announcers at the beginning, like who is that and and proclaiming it but it's not like this got some crazy pop either uh for her and no you have to see it on right there's probably a lot of people that did not recognize her right and it's not like she was she was at the level of star that i think like um everybody would know her um really anyway like at least her silhouette but you also had the fact that she wasn't wearing what she usually wears because we're in saudi arabia it's probably Um, not until she did the elbow that a lot of people live would have put mm -hmm. put it together although like you would have had people that did but Sends Belair into the post. She beats the count, but then is immediately hit with over the moonsault. And Belair gets pinned in 1634. So, I mean, it was our second match in a row where we had like the, the, the interference leading to the finish. But I would say like overall, I, I liked the match between these two as well. And I think the, the run-ins at the end, it was a satisfying return of somebody that people were expecting. And I thought that was a good way to reintroduce her. And they also noted the fact that, when Kyrie left WWE, it was Bailey that destroyed her, and that was her her exit angle was with mm. Bailey, and they played it up that Bailey was kind of um, not aware that Kyrie was mm. coming back. So it's this idea that EO enlisted Kyrie without alerting Bailey. So it it gives some much needed progression to this damage control infighting, which has been running in place for so many months that they did need this shot in the arm, and you have an interesting story coming out of this one. Right. Yeah. So, you you know, again, like with these sort of, sort of um, shows and, and you're not getting any sort of definitive like this person's turning on this person. They're just kind of setting in motion further storytelling that you'll have to tune into the television for. Um, so this was a move that I wasn't expecting. I mean, you know, Kyrie Sane coming back with Eos guy as a champion. I would expect her to be coming back as a baby face to basically face EO as a heel. It. I didn't really expect them to do sort of like the tag team type of story first. Um, almost like I wonder if there's an expectation, like because like what uh, Sane attacked Bel Air, so Sane will be a heel along with um Eo Sky and presumably like maybe a member of Damage Control for know? now. I think you right. try and get, it's all like Bailey and Sane trying to coexist, but you know there's this underlying tension, and Eo's got her existing issues with Bailey that should all come to a boil, and that's to take you until like January or so. I think that's fine that you can get some mileage out of this before everything implodes. And hopefully Dakota's like cleared to go. So she can be active in this because she's got she's been be on needed. crutches for a while, you know? Yeah. You would hope that she's soon going to be um, back up yeah. uh, and yeah. active. The match itself. I agree. I thought these two worked really hard, you know, with the sound off, I think you might've like really enjoyed this match, but um, unfortunately with the dead, a quiet apathetic crowd i didn't think it was it did hamper things came across well at all like this crowd just simply didn't care about the match nor the feud and i don't know if the action was strong enough again to kind of like shock them into caring so um it ended up feeling like this one went a little bit too long for me simply because again they never they never got the crowd throughout this, this, this how long was this 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 was 16 and a half this was our third straight match that went over 16 Beginning with Cena. Uh, so like, you, you did get some uh, lengthy ones here. But again, um, like this, this show was a clear sort of indicator of who's a star or at least who these crowds see as stars internationally and who, who they don't. And unfortunately, neither Bel Air nor EO felt like they were stars tonight. Well, they did 
treat Cody Rhodes like a star because they did mm-hmm. come alive for Cody coming out and they were into this one a lot. And, you know, I was kind of dismissive of this match, but it was like, I, I wasn't really anticipating this one in terms of interest, but I knew it would be good. And it was very good for the time. 11 minutes was a perfect length for this one to just have a, you know, all out, let's go type of match. And what I love the most, they do this big attack angle on Cody with his ankle and he's not selling it. And eventually Wade just says, you know, uh, Cody's ankle, he told us is giving him minimal problems. Uh, That's pretty much it. Like he's fine. We did this angle and uh, didn't quite take. So the ankle. It's the adrenaline, John, you know, like he's loosened up. You know what I mean? They so, they are at least trying to come up with excuses for why after these big injury angles, uh, guys can end up still having some semblance of a wrestling match. So um, we're we're teasing putting each guy through the desk. Uh, all the members of Judgment Day minus Rhea got involved here with Finn Balor coming out. Then he waved down Dominic. Uh, JD did a sneak attack on Cody when the ref's back was turned. And as Dominic is coming down with the chair, Jay Uso pops up out of nowhere, super kicking Balor and Dominic and chasing them to the back. Uh, JD is gone too. So it, we're left with Damian and Cody. And it's Cody with a bionic elbow, a pair of Cody cutters, including one off the top, and then ducking a lariat by Priest and hits him with three consecutive cross crossroads i think he could have hit him with like 16 more just to really make it that debilitating uh and he beat damian priest in 11 minutes and three seconds and uh a fun match i enjoyed this wasn't my match of the show but i thought this totally like didn't drag crowd was lifted for this one because of cody and i also like the idea that the closing two matches you had cody and roman reigns winning big matches and you're left as seeing this inevitable crossroads between these two uh in the near future and that's just left in the back of your mind after the show of like this eventual collision course right right yeah this was a match with almost like no stakes involved i mean i don't i don't even not even the briefcase yeah because it's gone (laughs) not the briefcase i don't think losing this match would have really derailed cody's story really by any sort of like major um i don't know amount um but it had star power in the form of cody Rhodes, and that certainly meant more to this Riyadh crowd than any you know, medio like secondary title at least. So then in our, our ongoing knowledge about uh, Saudi Arabia, we then had Michael Cole inform us of the Falcon being the national bird of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That I was not aware of the Falcon. Have they, do you think they'll tell us, uh, I guess about the, uh, I don't know, national animals when they go to Australia. They have to, they've set the precedent, haven't they? So I look forward to this. Maybe. And then there was just shots of WWE talent all around the city doing the the um, Make-A-Wish efforts and stuff, Special Olympics. And the Roman Reigns-LA Night match concludes tonight's presentation. Paul Heyman out with Roman Reigns, and Knight goes after him right away. Reigns is mocking Knight's mannerisms, and then Reigns just works on him for a long time, antagonizing the crowd. But tons of yeah chants as Knight fights back and gets caught with a rock bottom, kicks out of that. Knight's avoiding the Superman punch, and he just wants to hit that elbow drop. He's intercepted with a Superman punch, leaps to the top, and superplexes Reigns to the mat, and then hits the elbow drop, only gets a two count. This is when Solo comes out, and then Jimmy Uso appears, dragging Reigns to the floor. So Knight goes after Jimmy, takes the Superman punch, and is speared in the ring for a big near-fall spot. And the crowd's pretty hot here for L.A. Knight. Reigns calls him the flash in the pan, applies the guillotine, and the knight breaks out on the rope, hits the blunt force trauma, and goes for the cover, but Jimmy gets the foot on the rope of Roman Reigns to save him. 
So Knight goes after Jimmy, rams his head into the desk as the crowd is chanting, yeah, with every bit of impact, followed by Reigns getting his head rammed into the desk and then puts Jimmy through the desk into the ring. He goes and Reigns just spears him through the barricade and then another spear in the ring. Roman wins in 20 minutes and three seconds. I thought this was a very good Roman Reigns match, you know, and maybe my most immediate comparison is like thinking about the what what ended up being a disappointing Jey Uso Roman Reigns match. Um, And I felt the difference here was L.A. Knight's connection to the audience, you know, while Knight, I think is very limited as an in-ring performer compared to, say, maybe a Jey Uso or certainly a Sammy and a Cody. He has more than enough tools to have a good WWE Roman Reigns style match. And I think the main ingredient that he has that a lot of people don't is that connection to the audience, just like a Cena, just like a Hogan. And um, when you have that, I mean, these Roman matches, even as slow paced as they are, somehow the slow pacing um somehow it enhances the matches in the right situations. And I thought this was one of those right situations where every little thing Roman was doing in between the moves, playing to the crowd and just uh, whenever he was in control, did a great job of basically setting up Knight's comeback, um, making what Knight could do look big and important. I thought they built up to a really nice near fall with the BFT and, um, you know, gave us a pretty typical bloodline interference finish at this point. But um it's also kind of their way of just protecting these baby faces in the losses. So coming out of it, you might still be able to justify, um, you know, um, a, a, an LA night rematch at some point. But I thought throughout this entire course of this month, LA night, like they he has proven that he's capable of being in this sort of main event mix and um, show that he has an exceptional connection to the audience, both, you know, in the stateside and internationally. The crowd helped this one. I, I thought it was a very basic match. That would have been my my critique of it. And I think if, if I'm going to levy this uh, against AEW with all like the the distractions and run-ins, like this this was four matches in a row where we had like interference leading to the finish. And I think you should prioritize like, do we need four of these in, in a row? Like if this is the main event and this is our angle to get there, maybe that takes priority because that was a little cumbersome on, on this show. But I will say, I think that LA Knight came out of this like, I, I thought it was like a, a fine match. I didn't think it was um, disappointing. Um, I didn't think it was one of the higher end uh, Roman Reigns matches, but I think Knight certainly has a very safe spot that he is a key baby face for the company moving forward, that a loss definitely doesn't hurt him here. And yeah, I, th- I think the audience certainly helped this one. It's um, and maybe that's what you're you're going to prioritize more. I'm definitely, I think, more critical on just like the bell to bell portion. But nonetheless, I think this was what was expected. Maybe maybe even a little bit above because I wasn't going into this one with uh, grand expectations. Hmm. Um, somebody in the chat room suggested LA Knight possibly as Logan Paul's opponent for the U.S. title, and um, I think he could face Owens first, and maybe defend against Owens, but then losing it to LA Knight, you know, in a big match where Knight finally wins a championship uh, against somebody like a Logan Paul, I I think would actually be perfect placement for both of them. What was your match of the show? Um, mine was Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, I, I even just have to kind of do a bit of a review right now because, like, uh, I would probably say Rollins McIntyre was very good. Um, women's match, unfortunately, d- didn't do much for me. Um, neither of them. Um, I I think, like, just simply due to grandeur and uh, outcome, I I really appreciated the outcome of the Cena match. They were really positioning this as Cena's retirement 
Okay. Um, so again, follow through and follow up is everything when it comes to something like that. But that moment felt like the biggest thing on the show and like the biggest result on the show. The fact that Cena lost this match that he was supposed to win and Solo Sokoa was the one to to uh, put him into retirement. Basically, it was Michael Cole's word. So I thought the result of that was good. Um, I The rest of it was kind of disappointing, mainly based off of like crowd reactions. I thought wrestling was about what you kind of expected, except for Logan Paul versus Mysterio, which I did expect a bit more for. But um, crowd was here to see stars and uh, they helped accentuate those matches. But the other matches I thought suffered. This had all the spectacle and the big like pomp and circumstance of a big show. But I would say like I'm just like forget comparisons to like other big shows like and like a power struggle today. Like just, just on comparison with like WWE shows this year, I I thought this was below your standard WWE show in terms of just uh, match quality. Um, I, I thought it was on the, the lower side, but let's open it up. Uh, we'll take a couple of calls before we wrap things up. Hey, let's go to Muggin. Hey, Muggin. Welcome. You got Kyrie Sane's return. Um, what do you, what do you, so, so for our audio audience, um, care to explain what you're, you're holding up? Just a, a comparison, a comparison photo. See here, this is when, uh, made on classic at the top. And this Kyrie is the, EO, years, years removed, reunited Man after all of these years. Made right. classic at the top and, uh, right earlier today. So you're a huge Kyrie Sane fan, right, Muggin? Well, listen, okay. <sighs> Listen, okay. When ever since Triple H got got the book, I I I figured it was in. I figured you know her coming back was a possibility. And uh, considering you know how considering Damage Control's inception just a little over a year ago, I would have to think at some point you know Kyrie Sane would come back to like you know you know the Han Bailey. And guess what? Bailey found the one thing she can't control. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Kyrie Sane. That is right. Yeah. Okay. I told you so. Damage out of control. Yeah. What did you think of the show overall, Muggin? It was fine. It was it was fine. I mean, Ron's McIntyre to me was matching the night. I mean, it definitely like you know pushed Drew even further. And um, they're really they're going to they're really going to they're really taking their time with him with Drew, you know, going heel. And that little that little skit with uh, with Rhea was another sign. Um, what else? Logan Paul Rey Mysterio was was very good, and um, the finish was clever because the finish was very clever. And, you know, Santos came in to like run off. Logan's buddy, but he left. But he left the brass knucks uh, uh, in the ring for Logan to take advantage of. What would have to like? You'd have to think. You have to think that maybe like it was done on purpose because maybe that'll be that'll be the story coming out of it. Uh, well, of course it was. Well, sure, okay, yes. And uh, as maybe he was as- in a rush. I mean, haven't you ever left brass knuckles just laying around? Yeah, you don't know yeah. who's going to pick them up. Yeah, and um, looking ahead. Looking ahead, I mean, do you think? I mean, do you think Logan is going to hold that U.S. Championship all the way to Mania? Because I don't think that's realistic. No, I, I, I could see him keeping it that long. I, I mean, Mania's not that far away, Muggin. Yeah, it's five months. Yeah, it's five I, months how, how many U.S. How many matches is he going to do from now until Mania? I guess that's the question. That, that's 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 what I'm trying to get at. Because I mean, he's only he's only allowed to work a select number of dates, like not week to weeks. I mean, it feels like nobody's going to eat on his watch. And the same applies to Roman because it looks like he's going to be skipping Survivor Series. He mm. might, and I didn't, and I, I skipped the main event because it was just going to end up with the same formula again. Ref bump, run in, spear, pinfall. You like, called it. Same beats. It's like I mean, as much as as much as Roman Reigns is an attraction, and, and justifiably so. I mean, it feels like the bloom is starting to get off the rose, 
And I, I mean, LA Knight's going to be fine knowing him, like knowing him because, you know, he's still super over in the way. I also love seeing those yes signs with the Arabic written beneath mm-hmm. it. That was, I thought it was very clever. Yeah. And, um, I think LA Knight's going to be fine. And, and I probably, I, th- I would like to think that maybe he takes a title off of Logan Paul, the US title off of Logan Paul. Probably in Tampa. I would say Tampa. At least Definitely. get two, at least get two months out of this, so Logan can like you know plug it on his podcast and uh, wherever he, wherever he goes. And uh, I think the then you pull the trigger on LA and I become a U.S. champion in uh, in uh, Tampa, the Royal Rumble. So overall, it, overall is a solid show, easy to watch, and I'm glad it's not a glorified house show in a vacuum. It's like everything matters now, just like Night of Champions you know, in May. Thank you, Morgan. Appreciate the call. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Let's go up next to Brandon from New Jersey. Hey, Brandon. Can you hear me? Yes, no. we can. Was, uh, you think uh, you think Logan Paul was uh, watching uh, WCW uh, Thunder for the, the, the brass knuckles for inspiration? <laughs> he might have been. Maybe he was going to take someone hostage before uh, if he didn't get this title match. Ended <laughs> in a tag match with his uh, his entourage buddy. <laughs> Do you know who that is? I have no idea. <laughs> Do you 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 don't watch Logan Paul's? Uh, nah. I mean, just like you. I mean, you watch uh, the triggered with uh, DTJ. <laughs> DTJ is that what they they call him? I guess I don't know, man. You're the only person I know that might have listened to that whole interview. No, I, no, no. I mean, DTJ has had a busy week uh, being uh, subpoenaed and whatnot. So uh, I'm surprised he had time for that interview with Dana White and his. Uh, but Dana White loves to go on these interviews, uh, uh, controlled environments that no one presses the issue against him. I love it. It's hilarious. Uh, uh, a couple things. I like Rhea Ripley's uh, Pat Benatar uh, look. Uh, she she looks Pat tremendous. Benatar. Was yeah. that what, is that who she was referencing? I I don't know. She, that, she that that mullet definitely gave a Pat Benatar vibe to me. Uh, she probably too young to know who Pat Benatar is, but I don't want to disrespect her music uh, IQ or whatever. But but uh, I, 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 the vibe definitely. Uh, I got that vibe looking at her. She 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 always looks tremendous. But uh, uh, the Kari Sane thing, I I, I hope, I'm glad she's back. Uh, she got some meat on the bone. I hope she gets some meat on the bone for uh, for storytelling and whatnot. I mean, if rumors abound that there there might be other friends that are uh, coming, and I'm not talking about the TV show, but uh, but uh, you know, other people involved in the story. So uh, hope it's <laughs> like who? What are you hearing? What are who are your sources? Courtney okay. Cox. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want a rumor monger. Come on, this ain't, this this site doesn't rumor monger. But uh, uh, I mean, you know, wouldn't surprise me if Mercedes Monet would appear. What, what do you think about that? Interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. But mm. I, is that the rumor? I, I I don't really keep up. So I don't know. I'm not a fightful subscriber, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Okay. And, and uh one more thing uh oh, fuck I, you know i had a i had a I had a good bit i was gonna tell you but then i forgot because uh you know my old age was kidding and so you know what? i'll leave it at that uh uh love you guys uh great show uh have a safe night brandon oh you know what the night is just the night is young i mean uh daylight savings don't forget to turn your clocks back by the oh way. you're right isn't that's tonight isn't it yeah it is I man. totally uh, forgot about that uh, and with and then uh, Timmins, uh, it's minus two right now. So uh, bundle up out there. You know what? I was just about to do a road trip to Timmins, and I'm going to <laughs> opt against that now. So thank you. <laughs> Good night, guys. <laughs> thank you, Brandon. There's yes. only one. 
the star of this week's edition of Rewind Away, talking about WCW Thunder from April the 26th, 2000, the night David Arquette won the WCW Championship. Maybe that'll be Logan Paul's next opponent. All possible. Very much so. Um, let's let's do the feedback before we uh, wrap up here. I got to uh, jet in a couple of minutes, but we do have time for the written feedback here. We'll start off with uh, Jay from Colorado. Wasn't a strong-looking card on paper except for a few matches, and that's exactly how the show played out. I enjoyed Paul and Mysterio, and I think they're going in a good direction with that belt, even if I don't like Paul. I have to give him credit for what he's done, and I think he will do well with the belt. Enjoyed the main event. Tired of Roman's title run because it's been so predictable. We know he's going to make it to Mania with the belt, and we've sacrificed potential title angles and heat with Sammy, Cody, Jey Uso, and now LA Knight. I'm worried the next champion will just be on a quest to beat his title run, as will the champion after that. Now that John Cena's the man we can't see and can't hear, who do you think takes away our ability to smell him? How many senses does huh. he have left after after? Yeah, I mean, who's who's got to move that target to the nose, I suppose? Um, Orange Cassidy? I don't know. Yeah, Does he? The Orange Punch. Oh, All right. Okay. Let's move on. All right, let's go up next to Brian from New Jersey, who says, The following opinions are my own and not a post-wrestling. This was the 10th WWE PLE as part of the deal with Saudi Arabia, bringing my streak of not watching these shows up to nine. I guess it's fitting a, the one-time pirate princess makes her big return in the country run by scum and villainy. A real-life madripoor with the Saudi government in high town. I hope the civilians of the country had a really fun time and that everyone gets home safe. Okay, that's Brian's message. Uh, last one here we have from Matthew. I'd be interested in hearing why people boycott these shows, but not shows in America or other countries when those governments are just as bad or worse in what they have done. Let let me address this because this is always the uh, the kind of uh, the, the equivalency people make. I think a major distinction here is that the WWE is not benefiting from the U.S. government spending um, X millions of dollars on an annual basis to use WWE to um, push ahead um, a, a certain message of such. There is always going to be a disconnect, I think, between citizens and their governments. I think that exists in Saudi Arabia. I think that exists in Canada. I think that exists in the United States as well. These shows would not have the same level of scrutiny if WWE was independently going to Saudi Arabia, nor would WWE be staging these level of shows if not for what they are being paid, that they are ridiculously budgeted shows that do not yield any kind of profitability. Like these are done. Like ask yourselves these basic questions. Why are they spending $50 million when they are not going to see any of that returned? This is not about making money on these shows. So look at the larger... Um, reasoning why all of these these acts, these leagues, these sports are going to Saudi Arabia and commanding these incredible figures. Like this is, I'm sorry, I'm not going to just bury my head in the sand on a lot of these issues. And uh, is, is does the U.S. government have a stellar, uh, flawless track record? Hardly. Does the Canadian government have a stellar, uh, spotless record? Hardly. Um, but I think it's disingenuous to just state hey put your hands in the air and just accept all of this because every government has its problems there is not the same level of um of business correlation between the wwe and the u.s government as there is with the wwe and the saudi arabian government mm -hmm. well, i mean for me it's just like one one show is purchased as a form of propaganda um Whereas other shows typically taking place are um, being conducted just in the name of personal gain and capitalism. Um, 
So that to me is is a clear distinction right there. I'm not tuning into Raw on Monday and getting the Biden administration's talking points or initiatives that are being um, hidden into characters' motivations or um, PSAs that are airing throughout the show. Um, I am not getting, uh, you know, a false sense of, you know, the the country's um, objectives. Like there is a distinction that I think anyone that can see this understands of what these shows are and why. I don't know about that John I don't know if anybody watching this can tell the difference like you know you you get responses like this that I I just don't know how many people are are care enough to really to kind of think about it as deep so yeah regardless to, to Matthew I I appreciate all feedback to uh to, to these shows uh regardless we can all um discuss these in civilized ways so thank you, everyone, for your feedback, for the calls, and uh, for tuning in. Again, Collision Course is live tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with Kate from Montreal and John Sino. And then also tonight for patrons, you will be getting Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord reviewing Power Struggle. That show will be up in a couple of hours' time. So look out for both of those. And then Sunday, it is MCU Later with WH Park and Rich Fan. And the next time you will hear from myself and Way, it is Monday oh. night after Raw. I'm so sorry. I missed the super chat here earlier from Andy, who says, following Twitter exchanges, Osprey versus Tyler Black, headlining all in anyone? After those historical references, I'm surprised Cole didn't claim Paul was wearing black and yellow as an homage to Kawada. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, I guess I mean, uh, that's... tweeting back and forth. It's not the first time they've tweeted back and forth. Um... Yeah, Tyler Black is not leaving. Or, sorry, uh, Seth Rollins, you know, so... Um, yeah. and uh, could Osprey go to the WWE? I mean, sure, it's possible, but um, I'm sure he's he's just having fun right now with the Twitter. There you go. All right, thanks everyone for the super chats and uh, everything else. We'll speak with you on Monday night, and that is it for our crown jewel review.